The hunt for Brew October is here. Swing and a drive to right and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here! Go! This is a special Brewer show. Swing and a fly ball. Deep right! Broadcasting live from Summerfest at the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. Joined by former Brewers pitcher Jerry Augustine. Here's Matt Pollard. A good Saturday afternoon to you. An absolutely beautiful Saturday afternoon from Summerfest. The final day of the Summerfest run. Three straight weekends of action. And it's all going to finish off tonight as at the American Family Insurance Amphitheater. Guns N' Roses is going to be on stage. A lot of artists throughout the uh, afternoon. The gates are uh, opening up. And we'd love to see you out here. We're right in the Gruber Law Office's sports zone. You can stop on by. You can wave to Augie. You can, uh, we, we've got it wide open. Augie, can people come put something on the table with a pin, and if they throw a hundo down, will you sign something? Absolutely. A hundo? Is that come what you one, need? Come one, come all. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do welcome you in, and we're going to spend the next uh, couple hours with you talking all things Milwaukee Brewers baseball. After the Brewers come up with another come-from-behind victory yesterday, they get down early against the Cubs. They come back. Magic number to just get a playoff spot sitting at two. Magic number to win the division, and that's what the organization's really worried about right now, sitting at four. If you want to join us, you can call or you can text 800-990-3776. That's 800-990-ESPN. We'll take your phone calls and your text messages throughout the course of the program. You can tweet at me as well, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. You can even text at Augie. Augie's been getting better on the on Twitter lately. I've been working at it. I know. Going to classes and take him every once in a while I come up with something that's you can at least understand. You sat down with my buddy, uh, Brad Ford, runs uh, the Brewer Social Media Department, and, and Brad's great. Brewer Social Media is great. Brad spent a little time with you, so that was good. Yeah, he is. he's awesome. He just tells you how to go about things. And one thing you always do, you want to make, when you do something in Twitter, you want to make it purpose, purposeful and allow the readers to, to, to read it and, and even tweet back and, and give you their response. And uh, I just really enjoy that. I'm not really good at it yet, but I... It's my goal to get better each and every day. Uh, with the Brewers' win yesterday, I uh, want to go through some of the um, some of the numbers specifically against the Cubs. They're fourteen and four against the Cubs this year. It's amazing. They're just playing so well. You know, you look at this ball club, and we always talk about a couple years ago they questioned the rivalry, and Cubs will always be a rivalry, no matter what position they're rebuilding. They've uh, got rid of a lot of good guys, but they're always going to be a rivalry, and those games are always going to be fun to watch. And this year, the Brewers are playing extremely well against the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, so ten in a row now. They've the Brewers right. have only won ten straight games or double-digit games against one team in a single season. One other time, they beat the Pirates twelve straight times uh, during the uh, 2008 campaign. So this is just the second time. It had me thinking. There's been some years in there where the Brewers have not been so good, and the Cubs have been very good. But I don't think the Cubs ever had this kind of success against the Brewers. And here it is. I mean, a, a large reason for the Brewers' success. I mean, you think about the fact that the Brewers are sitting with a record of 90 and 57, 
14 of their 90 wins this year have come against the Cubs. Yesterday was a day that secured the Cubs a losing season. Uh, earlier this year when the Brewers, they had the series where it started where you know they lost the, they had the 7-0 lead and then the, the Cubs had to go away and they had the long losing streak and that was really what put the Cubs into sell mode. They, they were talking, the players for the Cubs were talking so much about you know, we got to show the organization. We got to prove to them that we're better than they thought we were going to be. And if we keep winning and stay in contention, we're going to force their hand. So they're going to have to buy at the deadline. Then they go on that losing streak. They have that bad series against the Brewers. To me, it's very interesting to look at the way the schedules played out this year and the Brewers and the Cubs specifically, how the Brewers have had such an impact on the Cubs just throwing the season away and then you compare that to also the level of success that the brewers have had has been largely built upon success against the cubs yeah, and you talk about what they did and you know everybody when you think about the cubs and what they did in getting rid of the guys everybody talks about Baez and and rizzo and bryant but really they got rid of their bullpen also you know you think you you see guys like chafin and and the guys in the bullpen who are throwing the ball really well they were really on a good streak and you know sometimes during the season you go through that that time where it's a really rough streak you can't get things going and i think the cubs hit that streak right at a very bad time for the organization and they just couldn't do anything right and it just seems like their bullpen wasn't pitching well and starting wasn't wasn't getting more they wanted to go and they made the move and now they're a completely different team and uh uh the brewers are taking advantage of it you saw it last night scoring late and they've done that a lot against the cubs we see this at times where it's clear it's so clear that managers do not believe in their bullpen we saw that a lot with cincinnati that's right uh, where you're going why is the starter still in this game that he is losing it and it's it was always clear with the reds they had zero confidence in the bullpen i'm watching that game yesterday zach davies pitched really well for his first three innings as he was nine up nine down and then second time through the order brewers start to figure him out a little bit and they put up a three spot in the bottom of the fourth inning and then they bring davies back out for the fifth and he's he is just as ineffective in the fifth as he was in the fourth and you're going why are they letting davies continue to pitch out here and it was simply because i think they they don't have any confidence in their bullpen well i think david ross was hoping that you know sometimes in a game you go through an inning your second time through where you struggle a little bit and you, i you're exactly right the first three innings i thought zach davies was zach davies of the times he was with the brewers really commanded a strike zone with his fastball locating it staying ahead of the count using his off-speed stuff he had that great change up but it seemed like in that third inning he started going ball one getting behind he was losing to one and one counts to two and one and then having to make a big pitch and the brewers took advantage of him they put the ball in play and i think that's one thing you talk about this brewer ball club they they're so aggressive at the plate that they're able at times to be patient work the counts and at times they'll get aggressive and go after it and they just saw that at that time he was not throwing strikes getting behind and they got a little bit picky and they were able to put some runs on the board i i didn't really know what to expect this homestand because they they played Cleveland really well on the road trip, and then they went to Detroit and struggled. And for whatever reason this year, they've struggled against the bottom of the AL Central. They have not been good against Kansas City. They've not been good against Minnesota. And uh, they've not been good against Detroit. And that, that happens in the course of a season. I actually think it's a blessing. Every team in baseball is going to struggle against a team or two for whatever reason. So if you can handpick the teams that you want to struggle with, it's probably 
teams that are not going to be in the postseason that are in the other league because you're just not going to see them very often. That's right. And, you know, going to Detroit, I, Detroit is a, a really good young team. I think they're doing the, the right thing. I think A.J. Hinch is doing the right thing with this ball club and really leaning on these young players, and they're really performing very well. I thought the series against Detroit started because of Willie Peralta. Willie Peralta came against Freddie Peralta. It was a great matchup. Two uh, former Brewer against a present-day Brewer who's thrown the ball very well. And that game, I actually thought Willie Peralta pitched a game like he did for the Brewers when he, when he was with us, a startup in Toronto where he shut Toronto out. He was dynamic. Good fastball, good slider. Now he's got that little bit of a split finger that he was locating. And uh, it was good to see. Freddie is a... I have, I watched him from the minor leagues coming up. I always thought he was going to be a, a good, solid pitcher. Things didn't pan out in Milwaukee, but it's good to see him fight back. But I thought that day against the Brewers, he really kept the Brewers off balance with that good fastball and that good split finger, keeping him off stride. Pitched a really good game against the Brewers. Yeah, if Willie would have uh, would have figured out his kind of current pet- pitching repertoire when he was That's with right. the Brewers, there's a very good chance he's still with the Brewers. That was a different Willie Peralta than what we saw at the end of his Brewers tenure. Yeah, no doubt about it. I just, you know, I, I, I became a fan of his since I saw him pitch up in uh, for the Timber Rattlers, and uh, he was dynamic up there, and uh, I know I had a lot of conversations with Doug Melvin first after the first time I saw him. I came to, I did the Brewer game the next day, and I came in, and and, and I think Doug knew what I was going to say. He said, how'd you like pitching last night? And I said, Willie's going to be here, and he's going to be one of your starters. He was that good up in for the Timber Rattlers, but it's nice to see guys go and stay with the game of baseball and come back and pitch on a, on a level, but uh, how good was Freddie Peralta with the Detroit with with the, against the Detroit Tigers? That was the, as far as dynamics. Eighteen out of twenty-one first pitch strikes, just using all his pitches, his slider and curveball very well. And uh, Freddie's back, and I'll tell you what, it was good to see. Augie, uh, we've uh, we've we have seen um, a lot of success this year against the um, against the NL Central, and. Yeah, they've had success against, you know, the NL West they've been good against. There's some other areas that they've been good. But I've said it since day one. If you want to go be a postseason club, if you want to go win the division, you play so many games against your division. Go have success in the division. It's it's nice that they beat the Padres as much as they have. It's nice that they took a series from the Dodgers earlier this year. Those are nice things, and you need to accumulate wins outside the division to get to where the Brewers are at right now as a 90-win club. But the bread and butter always has to be go have success against the division. The Brewers' role to, to get to where they're at, we've talked about the success they've had against the Cubs. They've had good success against the Cardinals. They've played well against the Pirates. They've played pretty well against the Reds. That's probably been the team in the division that's given them the most trouble. But they've still got a, a, an okay record against them. They have done what they've needed to do against the division, and that is the that is the main key on why they're where they're at right now. Yeah, they're forty-five and twenty-two, and I remember it might have been our our first extra innings that we started the season. We talked about the season. I believe we were playing the Cardinals at the time, and that's the one thing that you brought up is playing inside that division is so important. But one thing this Brewer Ball Club has done, it's dominated mm-hmm. inside this. Uh, decided inside this division all year long played good solid baseball and I, I think that was one goal for this ball club to do this year they've went out and they've achieved it by playing good solid defense great pitching i can't say enough about the pitching and i'll tell you what how much do you like what the offense has done the second half of the it, season it's been good i made a joke the other day you know everybody wanted andy haynes fired in the first half of the season and and my 
I've always been that person that says, just be patient. People have their jobs for a reason more often than not. That doesn't mean that you never fire anybody. Eventually, maybe somebody is not doing what they need to do, and, and you move on. But just because you have a bad two months at the plate, that doesn't mean go fire somebody. And it's really hard these days to find the folks who want to uh, see the Brewers fire Andy Haynes. Well, you know, it's so funny because in the beginning of the year, we had, we from our little place up in the press box we looked down and you looked down at Andy Haynes and you would say a guy that that was not smiling and was frowning and just thinking about what he could do to make this team better and it's really a lot of fun now you see him doing the high five the smiles on the face and you just see a, a ball club that really believes you know we talk phrases keep the line moving be a better be a good teammate all these phrases that we talk about of, about this ball club this ball club is actually going out and doing those phrases. They're going out and performing those phrases each and every day, and it really shows in all, all phases of the ball game with this uh, ball club all year long. And it's look, it's it's not all good. Christian Yelich has been better, but he still hasn't uh, gotten back. He, we have not seen the power from Yelich. He's, he's slowed down a little bit here over the last week or so. Uh, Keston Hero is expected to be a really big part of this team offensively this year. He has been a complete non-factor, and I don't think we're going to see him again this year. So, But th- that happens in the year. I remember Craig Council telling me at a Brewers on deck a few years back that you, know, you go into every year, and you're going to have a guy or two that takes a step back for, for whatever reason, and you're going to have a guy or two that really takes a step forward, and then kind of everybody else will probably do sort of what they've done throughout their career, and I think that is a great descriptor of this Brewers team because there's a lot of guys who are playing to their career averages, there's a few guys who are having career years, and then there's a couple guys who are, are, are not doing what you were hoping them to do. Most most notably Christian Yelich, and give Yelich credit, really since you know the last month or so he's been better, but it's not... 2018-2019 MVP caliber Yelich. Yeah, he's just a little bit different. I read something where since the second half of the season that he is only swinging at less than 20% of pitches outside the strike zone with two strikes. Hmm. That's like best in all of baseball. So he's, his approach is a little better. Has he had all the success that he wants? He has not. That's all. But when you, I'll tell you what. I think one of the great moves that Craig Council made, and he made it early in the season when he saw especially when Lorenzo Cain came back, is putting Colton Wong in that leadoff spot, which has been awesome, and putting Lorenzo Cain in that eighth spot. It has really paid off on both ends of this lineup, and then they fill it in in the middle where you want to. But the guys in the middle have done a great job. you got the guys like, obviously, El Garcia and Omar Navarez, and, and of, of course, you know, you look at what everybody, Adamas, and what all these guys have done. They've all chipped in. Chase Peterson, mm-hmm. these guys have chipped in. But I'll tell you what, I, I just feel really comfortable. I like what they have with that beginning with Colton Wong, what he's had probably the best year of his career. And then with Lorenzo Cain, who continues just to come up big when the Brewers need it. The, the Lorenzo Cain in the eighth spot, there's two things I think that are important on that. First off, you give credit to the six and seven hitters because you have that lineup depth. If you don't have good six or seven hitters, Kane in the eighth spot doesn't do anything for you. But he's got a lot of RBI hitters because of the depth of the lineup. And then also by having him in the eighth spot, it's almost the secondary leadoff hitter thing where let's say he's leading off an inning and he gets a base hit pitcher can bunt him over and then you're back to the top of the order and you've got a leadoff guy in Colton Wong who also has a little bit of pop has the ability to hit for extra bases so uh, to me there's kind of a two a two-pronged impact of Kane uh in that eighth 
spot, what's happening in front of them and what's happening behind them. You know, in early game it works because you're going to have your starting pitcher. You get into later in the game in that fourth, fifth, I mean that fifth, sixth, seventh inning. It allows Craig Council to play little cat and mouse with the imposing manager. He can all, you know, he can set guys up the, the pinch hit. You look at what this, this I, I hate to say bench because Craig doesn't like to use the, my bench players. Right. The extra players. You look at the what they have done off the bench. They have bats that they can give you off the bench. You have Vogelbach and Tellez and Jace Peterson and all these guys coming. Molly last night did a great job. You get these guys coming in and giving great at bats. That makes that Lorenzo Cain, Colton Wong end of the the lineup just that much better. 800-990-3776, 800-990-ESPN. If you want to join us, you can call, you can text, you can also tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. That's former Brewers pitcher Jerry Augustine. I'm Matt Pauley. We are live at Summerfest, the final day of this year's run of Summerfest. It's all going to wrap up with uh, Guns N' Roses coming up tonight at the American Family Insurance Amphitheater. When we return, a discussion on how the Brewers should handle pitching down the stretch of the season. We're going to make the assumption that the Brewers are going to win the division. The magic number, it is down to four. I know they have not yet officially clinched it, but I am confident saying that the Brewers are going to win the division and they are going to clinch it fairly soon. How should the club handle pitching down the stretch of the regular season to set themselves up for the postseason? We'll discuss that next. It is a Brewers Extra Innings special live from Summerfest. Jerry Augustine, Matt Pauley coming your way on 94.5 ESPN. More from Summerfest is next on 94.5 ESPN. You're listening to a Summerfest special Brewer show live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone on 94.5 ESPN. going to be tough to top that moment this year. What a moment that was for the Brewers. The pinch hit walk-off grand slam from Daniel Vogelback. Welcome back in. We are calling this a Brewers Externing Special live from Summerfest. I'm Matt Pauley. Former Brewers pitcher Jerry Augustine here as well. If you don't know, uh, Augie and I, we uh, we do Brewers Extra Innings on 620 WTMJ after Brewers games. So uh, if you want to be able to talk Brewers baseball immediately following games, just be over on 620 WTMJ, our sister station. And uh, you can hear myself and Augie after uh, most games uh, discussing what it went down throughout the course of the game. Uh, Augie, Brewers' magic number is sitting at four to win the division, two to clinch a playoff spot. They're not worried about the the two to clinch the playoff spot. There's going to be no celebration uh, when they get the you know when they clinch a playoff spot. The celebration will occur uh, once they win the division. It's a great spot to be in. Nobody would ter- trade this for anything. To have the big lead to be able to wrap up the division uh, with a lot of time left in the season. That is a wonderful, wonderful spot to be in. That being said. It does create some challenges in how you want to handle your pitching down the stretch because you want to make sure your pitching is fresh, you want to make sure your pitching is healthy, but at the same time, 
you want to make sure that your pitching is stretched out and your pitching is sharp. You know, that they're not going to start the NLDS, I believe, until Friday after the regular season starts and you end the regular season on Sunday. So we're already talking about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That's four days off. Without even thinking about that, you would look and say, okay, they're going to play the Dodgers in that final season of the year. You don't want to see Corbin Burns. You don't want to see Brandon Woodruff. You don't want to see Freddie Peralta in those games. But then you say to yourself, wait a minute. If they don't appear at all in those games, then you've got over a week of those guys not appearing in a game, and then they're supposed to go pitch in the playoffs, and there's no guarantee that they're going to be sharp. I think it's a really challenging situation to handle the rest of the way for these next two weeks of just how you how you use your pitching, how you keep your pitching sharp, but you also try to make sure not to overuse it. Yeah, I think it's one of the, the toughest decisions for an organization to do is when you win early and you've got several games to go before you go to the end of the year. I think the one thing that I really like about what's going on this year is that all the games from after they play the Cubs, they play teams that are in contention to go to postseason. And I think that adds a bit of interest and it adds a bit of a challenge to this Brewer Ball Club. And I think what you're going to see is, I think your Craig Council is going to set his starting rotation up like he wants to use it for the postseason. But I don't think he's going to extend these guys. I think what you're going to see, you're going to see certain pitch counts. I think a lot has to do with the when they start is how far they go is to how many pressure innings they have. Mm-hmm. What were the, what is it, what are going to be the the situations that they're in. And I think they're gonna they're gonna extend them. They're gonna make them go their 80 to 90 pitches, but that because you don't want to have that long period of time. Even if they pitch against the Cardinals, that still could be a week off yeah. before the guy starts. So it's gonna be a tough situation. I think 80 is a really big number when it comes to pitches because when I look at 80, and I'm not look, I'm not a pitching guru. You know a whole lot more about pitching than I do, Augie. But uh, when I when I 80 doesn't put a ton of stress on a starter. That's right. But it also keeps you relatively stretched out, where if you go 81 game, you're not going to have a hard time going 100 the next. You throw 60, two starts in a row, and then all of a sudden you're asked to throw 100 your next time out, that can be a little bit of an issue. I don't think it's an issue to if you're consistently going 80. And we saw with Freddie Peralta, uh, that game against the, uh, against the Phillies it was, when uh, he was struggling, but then they brought him back out for the fourth inning, he got to 81 pitches, and they were bringing him out. He was effective, but at 81, they got him out. So I just, I, I don't know. We'll see how it all plays out, but I just get the sense that that might be the number, that as we go down the stretch of the season, we might see starting pitchers right around 80 pitches consistently. So that's a way to you know not stress them at all, but also a way to keep them relatively stretched out. I agree with you. I think when you look at this ball club and you look, you t- I think the one thing that the Brewers will look at, they'll look at the n- number of games they pitch and what is your average that you've pitched, the number of pitches average. And from that average, according to the number of innings they pitch this year, they'll come up with a program. I think they look into it that heavily. But I, I like that number 80. I like the number of six innings, mm-hmm. if you can get that long. It just, again, you get into a game, there'll be games, and depending on how many starts you're going to have before before the end of the season, how much stress they are in innings. If you have stressful innings, I think that that might preclude you by throwing a higher number of pitches. But it's going to get interesting. I think what he'd like to do is have each of his starters go out, get it right around that five or six inning area, and throw those 80 pitches, and that would get everybody set. I thought the other day with, with Freddie in Detroit where he had 71 
after the innings that he was and he was dynamic was a because of the rain i thought that was the perfect timing on it and he really proved that you know what freddie's back and he's throwing the ball very well and not for the rain that day you get the sense he probably would have come back out for the next inning. i think he's yeah i think he goes at least one more i think he gets in that 80 maybe a little bit in that upper 80 area but i thought one more inning for sure and that's yeah, you go back to the no hitter that Corbin Burns threw, and and the pitches. Uh, it's a no hitter, so you're gonna you're going to push them uh, further than you normally would. But in many ways, and uh, look, I loved the no hitter. I'm not saying that I wish it didn't happen. I it was it was so much fun, and I'm glad it happened. I'm glad the fans uh, were able to experience it. But when you kind of take a step back and just look at it from a what this team is trying to accomplish from a bigger picture perspective. In many ways, what happened with the no-hitter kind of goes against what the Brewers are trying to accomplish because the last thing the Brewers want to do is extend any pitcher to, what was it, 115 that Burns threw that night? Yeah, that's right. And, you know, and, and people will say, well, he threw 115. Could he have thrown a, uh, nine more? Or could he throw in 12 more? Absolutely. We all know that Corbin was really throwing the ball. He didn't have any really stressful innings. He was on top of his game, and he could have probably thrown nine or ten more. But usually when you pitch that you extend yourself. It sometimes is it not. It's not that next start. It might even be two starts, depending on what happens in the next start. You have a guy that goes out and throws 115 pitches, then goes out and throws 95, 96 pitches. It could have something effect on the second start from then. And I, that's why I agreed so much with with Craig. It's not so much what the accomplishment was for Corbin Burns. It was what the big picture was, keeping him in a in a pitching situation, keeping keeping in his routine that he can continue on and be ready for postseason. We have a uh, poll question up on the ESPN Milwaukee Twitter. If you were Craig Council, how would you handle the pitching situation for the rest of the season? No change, limit pitchers, same rotation, rest, rest, rest. Those are the three options. You can vote on that poll, and we will revisit that coming up uh, later on uh, here in the program. It's it's a good problem to have, though. I mean, that's the bottom line. It's you. You want to avoid stress. That's the word. Stress is what you want to avoid. You want to avoid long innings. You don't want to see any of these guys throwing 30, 35 pitches in an inning. You don't want to see any of these guys throwing more than 100 pitches in a game. You just want to avoid stressful moments, stressful innings. And if you can do that, and it's easier said than done, you can't control a baseball game, but if you can avoid those kind of situations, that goes a long way towards these guys being as fresh as possible. And you think about the Brewers will probably play the NL East winner in the divisional series. I, I don't think the Brewers are going to catch the, the Giants or the Dodgers for the top spot in the National League. So in all likelihood, the Brewers are going to match up against either the Braves or the Phillies. Those two teams are going to be fighting tooth and nail all the way down. Uh, it's a really interesting thing with the Dodgers and Giants because they've got the two best records in the National League, yet... Because you're rewarded for winning the division, the team that comes in second is stuck playing in that wild card game. So generally, if you've got the best record in baseball or the best record in a league, you can kind of sit back a little bit the way the Brewers are going to do here in the, down the stretch of the season. But because the Dodgers and Giants are so close, the team with the best record in the league doesn't get the the benefit that, that the Brewers are having. The, really, the Brewers are the only team in the National League that have this benefit going down the stretch. And I agree with you. And I, I think we, we have put such an importance this year on pitching. Pitching has been the, the crux of what the Brewers have been able to accomplish. And you look if you look at statistics in the National League, it's... Uh, 
you talk about ERAs, you talk about bullpen, you talk about innings pitch, and all these other things, wins and losses. It's the Brewers, the Dodgers, and the Giants are one, two, three, and every all those statistics. And I think when you you look at the the Dodgers sitting where they are right now, now you have to use that in that one game playoff. You've got to go out. That's that's a little bit telling on what it could be for your bullpen. Who you're going to start? How you're going to approach it? That's a really interesting move for the Dodgers or the Giants, whomever it might be. I don't think the Giants have totally won this division yet. I think the Dodgers still have a chance. But I like where the Brewers are. They sitting in a spot now where they know a couple teams that they're going to face, and they can they can set up their rotation that way. That means they're going to do it with with Burns, Woody, and Peralta. And what you can still do is you still can get guys like Hauser and you can get guys like Lauer and guys like Brett Anderson go out. And you can extend those guys because if you go you go to where you need that fourth and fifth starter, you're going to have those guys prepared. Yeah, we're going to talk more about kind of the way we expect the Brewers to use pitching in the postseason later on in the program. And one more thing on that. So you're going to have the team with the second best record in the National League being forced to use an ace, their number one starter, right. in a one-game play, and let's say it's the Dodgers. Is Scherzer their number one right now? Do we say? Do we call Scherzer their number one? I would one? think you would think yeah. so. I, if, I'm, if I'm the Dodgers and I need one guy to win one game, I think I'm asking Max Scherzer to do that at this point, even though they've got uh, other pitchers who are, who are obviously pitching well. They've got the National League winner and, uh, or a leader in wins in, in uh, Urias. But uh, I, would, I would go Scherzer. You're going to be forced to use Scherzer in a one game to, in a one game wild card game where let's say it's the Cardinals. We Cardinals are cardinaling right now. You don't think that there's an outside shot that the Cardinals might not be able to steal that game away from the Dodgers? There absolutely is. But even if the Dodgers were to win that game, then they go into that divisional series and they've already used Scherzer. And all of a sudden you're going to be facing the Giants number one guy and you're going to be starting with your number two guy and it's just it it it, it makes things not completely even that 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 can impact a team and their ability to have success well when we talk about rest you and I just talked about it where the playoffs won't start until Friday or so well now you pitch Scherzer in that playoff game you play him in that playoff game he's got to go right into right into the divisional play he might he might have to come back on a shorter amount of rest it, it, it really does have an effect on how you set up your rotation. It, it's going to be really interesting on what happens. I'm, you know, when you see what the Giants are doing, they just continually go out and win baseball games. You see what the Dodgers are capable of. They're playing uh, St. Louis right now, and they're, it's, that's a great uh, matchup for St. Louis if they can sweep or win the series against them. So it's going to get interesting. Our our next 15, 16 games in the, in the National League are going to be extremely interesting to, sw- to see how this all sets up. Again, our poll question up right now at ESPN Milwaukee on Twitter. If you were Craig Council, how would you handle the pitching situation for the rest of the season? You can also answer that question by texting in 800-990-3776. That's 800-990-ESPN. That's how you call into the program as well. We are live at Summerfest. Confidence in the bullpen. We know what the Brewers have in the 7th, 8th, and ninth innings when it comes to uh, Boxberger, Williams, and Hayter. But there's going to be other guys who pitch for the Brewers in big moments, especially as they get in the postseason. What is that confidence level in the rest of the bullpen group? We'll discuss that next. I'm Matt Pauley. That's former Brewers pitcher Jerry Augustine. We're live at Summerfest. We're right out on the water. A beautiful day. Come on out here. Say hello. We're back with more in a moment on 94.5 ESPN. We'll be back with more at Summerfest coming up on 94.5 ESPN. 
This is a Summerfest special Brewer show live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone on 94.5 ESPN. Pitch to Hedges, swing and a pop up first base side. Peterson dives, makes the catch, and the netting saved him in foul territory. Another spectacular play by the Brewers' defense. Welcome back in. We are live at Summerfest. We are in the uh, Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. Come on by, say hello, along with former Brewers pitcher Jerry Augustine. I'm Matt Pauley. We've got you all the way until 2 o'clock this afternoon on the final day of Summerfest. The three-weekend format wrapping up, and they've already announced that next year they're going to stick with the three-weekend format. They're going to do it in summertime, not in the uh, fall, so they're not going to have to rename the uh, the music festival. But they will go with uh, go with the uh, three weekend format again uh, next year. Uh, it's going to be Guns and Roses on the American Family and Turn Amphitheater stage coming up this evening. If you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting 800-990-3776, 800-990-ESPN. And we have the poll question that's up right now at ESPN Milwaukee on Twitter. If you were Craig Council, how would you handle the pitching situation for the rest of the season? Augie, we saw... Um, Another really good performance from Aaron Ashby yesterday. He goes three innings, gives up just three hits, five strikeouts, no walks. His slider is unhittable. Absolutely unhittable. When you think about unhittable pitches, you think about Devin Williams' airbender, unhittable. Uh, To me, Aaron Ashby's slider is, is right there. It is absolutely unhittable, and it really feels like this guy could be the X factor for the Brewers bullpen going into the postseason. Ability to locate that slider is so important. You know, you look at what he did last night. He threw 40 pitches, 32 strikes. And, I, you know, when I watch him pitch, uh, this is a, a young man that's going to grow and get better and better. I think as he gets better command of his fastball when he wants it, he still has that good 95, 96-mile-an-hour fastball with a little bit of tail on it. He can throw it, four-seam it up. He's going to be very good. But his ability to throw his changeup for a strike on a consistent basis down in the zone along with that slider. It's a it's a, a slider that he backfoots. He can throw it to both sides of the plate, and then he can come back and throw you that off-speed breaking ball. And then when he throws that breaking ball, he locates it up in his zone, and it just gives you a different look. But if there's a guy that's been a surprise, uh, has come back, we knew he was good. We saw it in spring training. But what he's done since he's been up with this ball club has been really special. And you talk about guys that you need to step up or some guys that might surprise you in the postseason, I think he's one guy that you you keep his name there because he can do something very special for you. He's 3-0 and with a 2.77 ERA, uh, but when you break that down a little bit more, look at his numbers, just sent, get rid of that first outing where he struggled That's against right. the Cubs. Uh, in the games that he's appeared in since then, eight games, 3-0, and 1.42 ERA, a 167 batting average against 28 strikeouts, four walks in 25 and a third innings. These are dominant numbers that he is putting up. You know, he's so aggressive in the strike zone. And, you know, right now, I think what happened in spring training, he got a he got that confidence in, and he learned that with the, his repertoire of pitches, that if you can command the strike zone, you can be extremely successful. Now, I'm going to go out a little bit of limb, and I'm going to say that what makes him successful is not his primary pitch, the fastball. That's a primary pitch with most guys, and he's got that pitch. But I think what makes him successful is the success and command he has with his secondary pitches. Like you just said, 
that slider is excellent. Mm-hmm. He can throw it back back foot. Last night you saw it was unhittable. He can throw it at any time. But I'll tell you what, his command of that changeup down, he throws it for strikes at the bottom of strike zone, and then he elevates that break them all, makes it look like it's out of his zone. It just breaks in the upper part of the zone. His command of his secondary pitches is really special. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. When you think about individual pitchers that that are individual pitches that are thrown by Brewers pitches pitchers, try to say that three times real fast. Um, Adrian Hauser sinker, uh, Burns cutter, the four seam from from Woodruff and Peralta, the airbender from uh, from from Williams, Hater's fastball. I when. When you think about the best individual pitches from Brewers pitchers, where does that Ashby slider kind of slot in with all those? Boy, I, you know, they all say that if you've got that good hard slider and you can locate it, that it's a, it's a pitch that just equalizes everything. You know, when I look at Aaron Ashby, it reminds me of a, a guy that used to pitch with the New York Yankees by the name of Ron Guidry. And I'm sure you remember him. Uh, I mean, he had a year when he came into my memory coming into Milwaukee. He was 8-0, and Larry Heisel took him deep. And we ended up beating him that night, but he was like, won like 25 games. He would throw, he had that great fastball, but when he got the two strikes, he had that unhittable slider, and he threw it back foot, he threw it the opposite on the outside part of plate. I like Aaron Ashby because he loves, he's got that confidence in that pitch. It's one thing to be able to throw the pitch. It's another thing to have that confidence that you know when you throw it, it's going to be effective, and you have confidence in what you do, that it's going to, it's going to, perform the way you want it but I think everything is set up because he just commands all his other pitches that slider is better because he has a great changeup and that good breaking ball and every once he gets that that good fastball away think about the Brewers pitching moving forward and I'm not trying to like look past this year because there's still a lot to accomplish this year but your top four guys uh that that you've developed in uh Woodruff Burns Peralta and Hauser you all have them under club control for a while Aaron Ashby is eventually going to be a starter Ethan Small is kind of the next guy who's going to be up and, and the next top prospect coming in. He'll probably be, there was a there was an outside chance that he was going to make his major league debut this year. He got a little bit derailed by injuries. I'm, I'm pretty sure he'll make his major league debut uh, at, at some point next year. You look at all those guys. You have minimum couple two three years club control on all of them. This is not a, a flash in the pan. Earlier, before we started the show, you were talking about uh, rotations in, in Brewers history, and you were talking a little bit about 2008. And what makes this different is there were you, you think about CC Sabathia. He wasn't going to be around beyond that. Like That's you, right. you knew that he was going to be leaving Milwaukee. This is not a one time. You got to win the World Series this year because you're not going to have an opportunity with this kind of pitching again. You never know if if these guys can repeat the kind of years they're having right now because that's going to be a challenge. This is this is top tier, high level pitching we're seeing from these guys. But in terms of them being available, they're going to be here for a while. Well, you know, I think what I really like about these guys, and if you when you talk to each and every one of them, it's all special. They all have their little personalities. But I think what they want to accomplish is continually get better you never see any of these guys talking to post game about saying that oh i want to accomplish everything just this year and then move on from there it's about always getting better how can i get better 
start to start. It's breaking down that start. I remember a couple of starts ago when Corbin Burns was talking, he says, one thing I do is I always like to go back and just watch certain segments of my games that I pitch, how I pitch, what I threw in a situation. Well, I think Corbin Burns is a better pitcher now than he was in the beginning of the season because he's got that breaking ball now. Mm-hmm. That breaking ball has been huge for him. I think Freddie Peralta's gotten better because now he just doesn't have that big sweeping slider. He has that little cut slider. I think Woody has gotten better with his changeup. And I think when you look at that, and Hauser's just commanding the strike zone much better, more aggressive in the strike zone. Lauer, the same thing. Better card slider, good breaking ball, and commanding strike zone with his fastball. These guys are accomplishing things. They're getting better each and every start independently, but yet. As a group, they all want to go out and perform. 800-990-3776, 800-990-ESPN. If you want to join the program, call or text. Tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. I'm Matt Pauley. That's former Brewers pitcher Jerry Augustine. We are live at Summerfest, and we've got more in just a moment on 94.5 ESPN. More from Summerfest is next on 94.5 ESPN. You're listening to a Summerfest special Brewer show live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone on 94.5 ESPN. Bradley, a drive deep right. Myers back on it at the track. He looks up. It's off the wall. It's going to be extra bases for Bradley. And the Brewers will win in 10 this afternoon. fun moments this year. Even somebody like Jackie Bradley Jr., who has really struggled at the plate, he has still come up with some big moments for uh, for this team, and you hope that he's got a few more before all is said and done. Welcome back in. It is a Brewers Extra Innings special. We are live at Summerfest. That's former Brewers pitcher Jerry Augustine. I'm Matt Pauley. Want to join us? 800-990-3776. 800-990-ESPN. Or you can tweet at me if you'd like, at Matt Pauley on air. M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Augie, you kind of do the thing where if a team is as good as the Brewers have been this year, you start going, okay, what could go wrong? What If this team is not going to have the ultimate success, if this team is not going to win the World Series, if this team is not going to win the pennant, what results in those things happening? And what the, and I'm very curious because we have seen, especially when you get into the championship series and the World Series and the Major League Baseball playoffs, we see managers have incredibly short hooks on starting pitchers. Sometimes it is that second, you know, in in the regular season, it's the third time through the rotation. Many times in the postseason, it's the second time through a lineup where a starting pitcher might get pulled, where you're seeing pitchers get pulled out of a game in the fourth inning, and and you're going to the bullpen after that. And in previous years, for the Brewers, that'd be fine. That, that, That fit perfectly into the team's DNA. But now the team has such a conventional starting rotation where you are wanting to get those six or seven innings out of your, especially your three top-tier starters. I'm really curious to see how that's going to play out in the postseason if Brandon Woodruff, if Corbin Burns, if Freddie Peralta are going to be able to consistently in the postseason give this team six-plus innings. It's going to be interesting. I I think what you see Craig Council doing now, and then you're going to see it probably, I really believe you're going to see it the last 13, 14 games that we have left, is how he uses that bullpen. We've talked, we saw last night how he had 
Hunter Strickland come in and be that. We all say you got to have that closer for the starter. Mm-hmm. And and I think that Hunter Strickland has done an outstanding job compared to when he was throwing the ball when he first came over. A little inconsistent with some of his pitches. Now is really dynamic. He's been throwing strikes, getting ahead, using that good breaking ball. And then having guys to go there. And you look at you the special guys you have to go. Aaron Ashby last night, phenomenal. You got guys like Cousins coming in, even a, a, a Brent Suter coming in can give you that look for a couple innings. Those are the interesting part. It's not just Hunter Strickland coming in and stopping that stopping that inning or being that closer. It's those other guys coming in, and can they bridge the gap to get to the big three? And that's going to be even more important. It's going to be interesting to see how Craig uses that or if there's someone special that he's going to use out of that bullpen. Is it, is it going to be a Hauser or is it going to be a Lauer? And, and I, I would say that more preferentially. Uh, prefacing it than a Brent uh, a Brent Anderson. It, there, there's going to be some games that are won and lost by those bridge guys. There's That's going right. to be games where your starter just does not go deep, and you're not yet to Boxberger, Williams, and Hader. And whether it is Suter, whether it is Ashby, whoever it might be, whether it is Strickland coming in and finishing out the fifth or finishing out the sixth inning, there are going to be games that are won and lost by that group. And this is true for every team in baseball. That group is always the group that you're a little bit more nervous with. That's right, and you know you look at these the the big three, and you you know the one guys that we talked about, we knew what we knew what Josh was going to bring. We knew that Josh is going to be a guy that goes out year after year and always go out and try to be better. We knew that Devin Williams coming off of last year, which was just unbelievable, that he's going to come. It's going to take a little bit of time to get him back back to where he needs to be. Now he's got that really good command with that fastball and his, and his airbender has just been unhittable. But I, Boxberger's really been a pleasant surprise. And I think you may agree with me. We, we kind of figured out where, where is he going to be. He wasn't on the roster and just you know at the beginning of the season, they didn't even know if he was going to make the club. But now has come out and he's got a little bit of a cut fastball that he's inserted in his, and it's really made a big difference now with him being able to command that good fastball, a little cut fastball, and that slider and change has been very good. But he was one guy that you know we we kind of maybe had a little bit of question on him, but he's really stepped up to the plate and made this this threesome really. Uh, when you get to that sixth, seventh inning, boy, you got guys coming in that are very good. He's going to join the long list of Brewers relief pitchers in the David Stearns era who come to the Brewers and leave the Brewers with an opportunity to get a big contract. You, it's it's incredible right. the number of guys. Um, Anthony Swarzak, Drew Pomerantz, um, Jordan Lyles. Like It's amazing how many guys... Uh, Wade Miley, even even though he wasn't a relief pitcher, but you get the idea of where I'm going. It's amazing how the Brewers are able to help pitchers become them their best selves, and then they are able to go make big money. Confidence in situations that yeah. you know that they're going to go out and compete. And I think what Craig does a really good job as he understands what it needs to be success. He understands their their the the pitchers and the way they go about it, and he just. He just does such a great job of bringing guys in. And, you know, I, I really like what he does with Cousins in the bullpen. He brings them in perfectly situations. I like what, what how he's used Ashby. And it's going to be interesting to see how he uses a guy like Suter. Brent Suter is going to be that guy that comes in and can get you through that, that bridge like you just said. But be interesting. they got some guys in that starting rotation that can come in that bullpen and make that bullpen this, that much better. It's going to be interesting how they go about it. The Brewers do have some injury concerns. We expect to see Willie Adamas back on Monday, Avisail Garcia. I think there's a chance maybe we see him today. A lot of times it feels like when guys are out with injury, their first 
first time back there, a pinch hitter, and they're back in the lineup. He didn't pinch hit yesterday, so maybe he gets a pinch hit tonight, and he's back in the lineup tomorrow. But there are some injuries that this team is dealing with. Uh, what, uh, How does that impact what they want to do through the rest of the regular season and going into the postseason as well? We'll discuss that coming up in just a couple moments. We are live at Summerfest, final day of this year's Summerfest run, along with former Brewers pitcher Jerry Augustine. I'm Matt Pauley, and we're back with more in just a moment on 94.5 ESPN. We'll be back with more at Summerfest coming up on 94.5 ESPN. The Hunt for Brew October is here. Swing and a drive to right and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here! Go! This is a special brewer show. Swing and a fly ball. Deep right! Broadcasting live from Summerfest at the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. Joined by former Brewers pitcher Jerry Augustine. Here's Matt Pollard. One hour down, one more to go. Live at the world's largest music festival. It is Summerfest. It is the final day of Summerfest. It's all going to wrap up with Guns N' Roses on stage tonight at the American Family Insurance Amphitheater. Uh, of course, uh, artists throughout the day on all the stages throughout the uh, complex. Kudos to Summerfest, by the way. We all know what's happened over the last year and a half when it comes to the pandemic and trying to work through this and uh, finding a way to make it work, finding a way to still provide this for the community. Uh, Even getting musical acts is not the easiest thing right now. There are a lot of artists who are not touring uh, at the moment. So uh, kudos to everybody involved at Summerfest for being able to uh, get this to take place this year. This is a a big part of who we are uh, in Wisconsin and in Milwaukee. You know, you go around and you talk to people, and there's so many people that you know, I've spent some time in Arizona in the offseason. A lot of people talk, what is, you know, I always hear about something I'd always like to go to in, in Milwaukee. Yeah, there's the cheese, there's the beer, there's the baseball, the football and basketball, and, and college, great college sports. But you know what? That's Summerfest. Yeah. I'd like to go. Everybody wants to go to Summerfest, and this is such a highlight. I, I've got to spend a lot of years coming down and seeing some great bands here. I'm a big band guy, so the Dave Setzer band was here, and I, I told one said one to you early in the show uh, before we went on, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy mm-hmm. was one of my heroes. I stood in line uh, for hours to watch those guys. They were, I just like the big band sound. So I really had a lot of enjoyment coming down and enjoying the music and, and just seeing people. Just seeing people. That's, that's the important part, seeing people as we try to experience life once again and we're going to experience life with the brewers uh in the postseason that's for sure if you want to join us uh during the program you can do so by calling or texting the phone number is 800-990-3776 800-990-ESPN or you can tweet at me at matt paulie on air m-a-t-t-p-a-u-l-e-y on air uh we do have the poll question up we were talking earlier about uh, how the Brewers should handle the pitching situation for the rest of the regular season. Uh, the options were limit the pitches but stick with the same rotation, no change, just go forward, to, you know, extend guys out, uh, or rest, rest, rest. Right now, limit pitches but keep things the same with the rotation is the leading vote-getter by a wide margin, and that's what I would vote for. Uh, keep everybody on, uh, on same rest. Uh, and just keep going uh, forward and seeing how it all ends up working out. We'll uh, revisit this poll question coming up later on in the program. Like every team in baseball, the Brewers are dealing with injuries. Yeah, I have people ask me sometimes, like, uh, do the Brewers need to fire their athletic training staff or fire, you know, the uh, you know the, the doctors and things like that? And I always tell people, the injuries that the Brewers are dealing with 
being dealt with by Major League Baseball teams. I, I know people don't watch every other team on an everyday basis, so it might feel like the Brewers are experiencing more injuries than other teams, but they're really not. It is it is incredible how many players are on the injured list, and I think this year is more pronounced than ever coming off the 60-game season to the 162-game season. I think the Brewers have done as good of, as any team in baseball in handling injuries. They've kept their, they've kept their pitching staff mostly healthy, which is the most important part of this. But there are some injuries right now that's impacting this team. Um, Willie Adamas did a lot of work on the field yesterday. Right now it looks like he'll probably be back on Monday. Uh, Visayo Garcia, I'm actually a little I don't know about you, Augie, I'm a little surprised they didn't throw him on the injured list because he had to come out of the game the other day where he was obviously in a fair amount of pain with the back spasms. That was the second instance of this back issue. Um, in, in many ways, it feels like this team this year, the second something like that happens, you throw a guy on the injured list and just give him 10 days and, and try to get him healthy. They didn't put him on the injured list. We may see him uh, at, at some point today or, or tomorrow in some form or fashion, but you want him healthy. Tyrone Taylor's uh, playing in games right now at AAA Nashville on the rehab assignment. No real update at this point on, uh, on Rowdy Telez, but there are some very important members of this team that whether they're on the injury list or they're just not in the lineup are dealing with some injuries. I think you get to this time of the year, Matt. I, you know, you look at it, and I, you know, the Willie, the Willie Adamas thing is really important that he gets back, and he gets back like they say he's going to be back on Monday, and he gets his at bats and gets to play in some games on a consistent basis. I think he's such a uh, instrumental part of this ball club, and you need to get him. I think on the side, when you talk about the Rowdy Tellas and and you think about obviously El Garcia, I think the one reason that they're not probably going that way is now you can test them. You know, you put them on the IL, they're there for ten solid days, and I totally agree with you. I think that's a, that would have been a great move. But I think where the season is right now, I think they're gonna, Brewers are being cautious. Say. Hey, if we rest them two or three days, we can let them test it in a game situation. We're not just working out before the game or going through a routine. We can actually get him in a game and see how he feels. And I think that's one reason they've been a little bit cautious with Avisiel and, and Rowdy. But at the same time, they're they're thinking that you know if we put him on that 10 day, he's offered at 10 days. There's nothing else we can do but just let him rest, get some BP and things like that. This is a way you can test him, and I think they want to try to keep him as healthy as they can for the rest of the season. Telez is a more extended injury, and you look at the corner infield spots. And, you know, yesterday, uh, Eduardo Escobar had some had a hard time with some slow rollers hit in front of him, and it feels like that's a thing with, with him about playing the slow-rolling ground ball in front of him. Uh, that When he has an issue defensively, that seems to be the issue that he has. We've seen him over at first base as they've tried him there. It's the first time he's really played there. Uh, Daniel Vogelback was never expected to be a defensive first baseman throughout the career. his career, and the Brewers have challenged him and tested him, and he's become a competent first baseman, but we saw him with a throwing air yesterday. To me, the it's sometimes it's a, uh, it's a give and take about what you're getting at the plate and what you're getting in the field because obviously – Eduardo Escobar's bat is a fantastic bat. It's a power bat. They went and acquired him for a reason, uh, but it, he's not your best defensive option. Uh, Rowdy Telez is a better defensive option at first base. Probably Luis Urias is a better defensive option uh, at third base. Those guys don't bring the same offensive uh, profile to, to what they're trying to do. So there's just a lot of moving parts, But the, the, and, and we'll get into that a little bit more later on. But the, the bottom line is you get guys healthy, 
and then you can start making those decisions and start really looking into the give and take. You know, you take a guy like Vogelbach, he made the throwing error. The throwing error he made yesterday was really a basic throwing error. What do you do? You find a clear path, and you throw it to the clear path. He didn't find that. He tried to throw the ball over the runner, and it didn't work out. That's a really tough play if you put, for you when you put the, the second baseman or shortstop in that situation. you got to find that clear path. I think Rowdy Tellez has really done an awesome job at first base on the defensive side. He's a big target. He feels the ball. He has soft hands. And he has a pretty good throwing. He throws the ball fairly well. I think he would have been one of the guys you could him. That's nothing against Vogelbach. I think he's done an all, a really good job and made some really good plays at first base for us. But at the same time, it's those little things, those basic plays that every once in a while you get in that situation. Then defense is going to win a lot of games for this ball club. It's proven that it's it has for this ball club. you got to have it in the playoffs. A player here or there can make a big difference. So defense is going to be important. I think what Craig wants to do is make sure that he gets everybody healthy, that on the defensive side of the ball he can use whoever he wants. I don't think this team is getting enough credit for how many games they've won without Willie Adamas here as he's been on the injured list. He has played at an MVP level, and it's obviously well documented that when he walked through those clubhouse doors on May 22nd, everything changed. The Brewers went from being a team that were, eh, you know, they, they were kind of hanging around to all of a sudden being this team that on September 17th won their 90th game and has the largest lead of any team in any division in all of Major League Baseball. Uh, Adamus has been the guy who has been leading the way in so many different types of ways, uh, and he's been out for a while. And I know they got swept in the two-game series against Detroit, but for the most part, they've continued to win games without him in the lineup. And you don't want to see that in the postseason, that's for sure. He's somebody that's needed. But it this team continues, no matter what adversity is thrown their way, no matter what injuries are thrown their way, it, they, there is that confidence that whatever the lineup is on any given basis, that that group has a chance to win that day. You know, we take Urias at shortstop. I think he's done overall a fairly good job. He's had some spurts where he struggles a little bit, but then at times he comes up with that special play that, that he does so well, and that's a, that's an interesting part. Like as you like you just said, you put him anywhere, you put him at third base, he's been fantastic at third base. So uh, you look at it, what Adamas does, he just brings you that consistency. But this club always seems to come up with a defensive play from somebody, yeah. and whether it's a Christian Yelich taking a ball, turning and spinning, and throwing a one-hopper to second base to get the runner, or a play by Lorenzo Cain or Avisiel, whomever. It's it's those special plays, and this team does it on a daily basis, and it doesn't isn't always the same guy. It's a team defense, and that's what I really like about this ball club. Yeah, this team, they're not a great defensive team in terms of like fielding percentage and, and limiting errors and things like that. But they're a really good defensive team in terms of being able to make high-level, impactful defensive plays. Now, there, there's many times where if a shortstop boots a ball on a, on a two-out grounder, okay, you know what, that, that's generally not going to come back and bite you. Not that you want to see that happen, right. but we're talking about what actually impacts the game. There are many errors that occur that don't actually impact the game. Sometimes they can open up the door for an impact, and then the pitcher has to throw some extra pitches and, and get out of it. But a lot, it just it feels like this team. Yesterday they played an ugly game. Yesterday they played an yes, they ugly did. game. Escobar did not make two plays at third. Uh, 
Vogelback had that play at first, especially for the first seven innings. That was an ugly game played by the Brewers. They, they did not play a good defensive game, but when they needed to make plays, when they needed to come up with hits down the stretch, they were able to do so. So I guess that's, yesterday is a great example of what I'm trying to say, that some, sometimes you can have a bad defensive game overall, but you still make the plays. You think about the no-hitter the other day and the, the, the catch that, that was made by Lorenzo Cain, you know, shades of, uh, of Robin Yount. That's and, right. Which is, great catch. I, I, I went back and I'd seen the Yount catch, but it wasn't, like, burned in my memory. Yeah. And I went back and I looked at it um, after so many people had made the comparison on the Cain catch. It really is remarkable how similar those catches are. It is. And, you know, I, I, Lorenzo Cain, I, I, I just love the way he plays. he plays the game. He has so much fun. Every time you see him, he's got that smile on his face, and he makes that catch, and what does he do? He comes up to the finger and goes, oh, no, not on my watch yeah. this is going to happen. That type of player last night came up with the big base hit. I thought the Bogobach walk right before that was 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 huge, but but the big base hit by Lorenzo getting it in that in that inning where he'd be able to put some board, runs on the board and take the lead. So, you know, this is a team, I think you said it perfectly. You say there are impact plays that make the game put the game in perspective that this club does and if they don't do it on the defensive side all of a sudden you see it that impact play come on the offensive side that's that blend of offense and defense has been very good for this ball club once the brewers get willie adamas back the middle infield is taken care of with wong and uh, and adamas and with adamas back you then have the opportunity to go either with Luis Urias or uh, Eduardo Escobar at third. You have the opportunity, if you want to play Urias at third, you can put Escobar at first. You can put Telez at first if he's healthy. You can put Vogel back there. But Adamas getting healthy then opens up all the options. We were talking about the give and take a moment ago for them to have that give and take and for them to be able to make those those decisions and matchup decisions and lineup decisions. It really is built upon Adamas getting healthy, being back in the lineup and then everything else kind of falls into place after that what will those corner infield spots look like as the brewers go into the postseason we'll discuss that coming up in just a moment if you want to chime in you can do so by calling or texting 800-990-3776 800-990-ESPN you can tweet at me at matt Pauley on air we are live at Summerfest. the final day of Summerfest is taking place today it's all going to wrap up this evening Guns N' Roses is going to be playing at the American Family Insurance Amphitheater. We are back with more in just a moment, live at Summerfest here on 94.5 ESPN. More from Summerfest is next on 94.5 ESPN. You're listening to a Summerfest special brewer show, live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone on 94.5 ESPN. Now the pitch. Swinging a liner to a diving backhanded stab by Urias. And this one is over. Oh, wow. What a play by Urias to end it. A diving backhanded stab on a liner off the bat of Andrew McCutcheon. And this one is over. You know, that play is a great example of what we were talking about earlier. Welcome back in to our Brewers Extra Innings special. We are live at Summerfest. My name is Matt Pauley, former Brewers pitcher Jerry Augustine alongside. If you want to join us, 800-990-3776, 800-990-ESPN. You can also tweet into the program at Matt Pauley on air. That was a game against the Phillies where he made that diving catch. 
And, Augie, if you remember, he had a wretched defensive game that day. Luis Urias did at shortstop. It just was not good. Uh, had it, I think he had one area, had some other plays that he didn't make. It was just a bad defensive game. But then he makes that fantastic play at the end. That is a perfect example of what we were talking about earlier, that, yeah, this team does commit errors, but they, they commit they make more impactful defensive plays that help the team in good ways. It does. It's that that impact that makes a big difference. And when that ball was hit, I thought that was a sure base hit, not in the gap, a double. And I'll tell you, he where he came from, he just got a great jump. He's just got a real knack for making these special plays, either at third base or or at shortstop. And uh, I'll tell you what, that was pretty special. Uh, I know when I remember we were doing the game together, the extra innings together, and we looked down at him and he had a big smile on his face. Well, I had a big smile on his face because I didn't know where he came from. And all of a sudden you look down and he's got the ball in his glove. Just a fantastic play. He's been playing shortstop since, um, since Willie Adamas has been out. And once we started to realize the impact of Willie Adamas, I think the thing that really struck me was how Adamas helps this team in so many ways. Good defensive shortstop. Uh, the, the energy, the positivity that he brings to this team in the dugout and also in the clubhouse is, is unmatched. Uh, the depth that he adds to the lineup because of what he's able to do at the plate I mean, this is sometimes you make a trade because the Brewers can say we need more, we need better defense at shortstop, so we're going to go make a trade for a defensive shortstop, and that's that's the entire impact. Well, that's not what it is with Adamas. He impacts this team in so many ways across the board, and he's going to be coming back again. Sounds like Monday is when he's going to be active. He has said that with that quad. He's probably not going to be at 100% again this year, but he's hoping to be at 95% and that they can – yeah, that's going to be something to watch. If you're the Brewers, they're still – you're probably going to see Luis Urias at shortstop a fair amount because you don't want to push that quad too much so you can have him in the postseason. But once he's back, again, this goes back to how he impacts the team in so many ways. Him going back to shortstop – impacts third base and first base because you have Urias who can play third or Escobar at third. If Escobar's not at third, he can go play at first. Uh, when when David Stearns and Matt Arnold pulled off the trade to acquire Escobar, um, they talked a lot about uh, being able to have so many different guys who can play different positions. And Escobar being that guy who can play absolutely all over the place, you can survive an injury or something like that. And it's just, to me, that that's what really strikes me about uh, Willie Adamas is how his return is going to impact so many other spots on the field. Yeah, I, I, you know, when you talk about a Willie Adamas and what he does for this ball club, I think the one of the pictures that, that both David Stearns and Matt Arnold were, lo- were looking at is, what do you need to be? You need to be the best defensive ball club you can be. I think when they picked up Willie Adamas and his impact, not only on this ball club, but on Urias also, has made this team a gold glove team mm-hmm. on the defensive side. The catchers up the catchers are doing now the three catchers are all doing a, a great job. You look at what we have in center field with Lorenzo Kane and JBJ. You look at Colton Wong at second base has just been unbelievable and with Jace Peterson. But at shortstop he really adds that, that confidence and that consistent play at shortstop that makes you that gold glove type team that you want to be and I think his impact on Urias has been huge in that you see Urias early in the season he make an error and he go you know I'm, I'm going to continue to work to get better now you see it you know what it happened I've got to put that in the past I've got to make a better play and we saw it the other night against the Phillies when he made that diving catch making that great 
catch to end a ball game. So it's not about sitting there and thinking about what you've done in the past and let it bother you. It's going out and continuing to play good baseball, and I think he's had that effect on this ball club. There are going to be questions when it comes to, and we, we, we alluded to this a few moments ago, but really digging in on it, Eduardo Escobar is probably the best bat when you're looking at comparing him to Luis Urias and, and Rowdy Telez, if you're thinking about those three guys as being the primary guys between third and first. Not that Urias is going to play first, but it's all it's all kind of jumbled together because Escobar can play over uh, on each side. Escobar brings the most consistent bat power. Urias has, has done a nice job. Rowdy Telez at moments has done a nice job. But Escobar, there are some question marks for, for his defense, certainly at first base. We've seen here recently, not make yesterday, he misses on two plays on, on ground balls down the third baseline. There was that funky play. I think it was the game of the, the Vogelback pinch hit walk-off right. grand slam where you thought the ball was going to go foul, and he touched it. It was a ball he shouldn't have played. It seems like at times when there's ground balls in front of him, he has especially slow rollers, he has a little bit of a hard time with that. He had that quad. Look, it might be a simple thing that he's not 100% healthy, so the lean over and all that that could be impacting him as well but you do wonder when when you're up by a run in the eighth inning in the postseason and you want to have your best defensive team on the field do you take an Escobar out of the lineup do you make sure that you have a Urias at third and a uh and a Rowdy Telez at first because those are the guys that give you the best chance to make defensive plays It, it feels like that's a scenario that could very easily play out in the postseason. You know, I think this is where you have to really compliment David Stearns and Van Arnold, what they do with getting good players, but then also you have to compliment Craig Council and how he utilizes them. That flexibility that you have in those players you just talked about allows you to make a lot of different moves. Not only does it allow you to stay strong on the defensive side, which you want to stay strong on, it allows you to stay as strong on the offensive side because you got guys, those extra guys that aren't playing, can come and give you good at-bats. And I think that's one thing I really like about this ball club. It's just not about the guys on the field. It's the whole group of guys that are on this roster that take part each and every day that help this team win. And I know that coming going back from the 82 team, Ted Simmons always said, it's not about the nine guys on the team. It's about the 25 guys who walk through that clubhouse door each and every day. Uh, on the defensive side of things when it comes to the playoff roster, I've, I've heard from a lot of people. There's a lot of people out there that don't want Jackie Bradley Jr. anywhere near the playoff roster because what he's done offensively this year. And while I understand that thought, I, I think it's incredibly short-sighted, to be perfectly honest with you, because... I. I don't want Jackie Bradley Jr. being a starting outfielder in, in the playoffs. I don't want him getting a ton of at-bats in the playoffs. But think about the way that playoff rosters are constructed. It is a very normal thing. And it was this way more so uh, in the previous rules of baseball where you still had the waiver trade deadline right before you expanded rosters to 40. Teams all the time would go get a guy who really, their skill was speed. They were a fast guy. And... They would go acquire them right in front of, uh, you know, right on August 31st. They would get them on the 40-man roster, and they'd have them with the team through September, and he'd be on the playoff roster, and he was the designated pinch runner, and that was their role. So 
uh, and nobody ever had a problem with that. Like, I've never heard somebody call into a sports radio show and go, oh, my God, I can't believe that this guy is taking a spot on the playoff roster when all he can do is run. Like, it's that is a role that was used, and that doesn't happen as much anymore because the rules of baseball have changed and the waiver trade deadline doesn't exist and things like that. But so, so people are so negative about JBJ just based off his offensive profile. And I think you have to look past his batting average and look to what he can do for this team. You need a pinch runner? He's a, he's a fast Absolutely. guy off the bench. You're up by one run in the, uh, in, in the ninth inning, and you got maybe uh, no disrespect to Avisao Garcia, but he's not a fantastic defensive outfielder. Maybe Jace Peterson is out in right field for some reason, and you can get JBJ off the bench to go play in the outfield. That is a role. So when, when there are these thoughts about not having him on the playoff roster, those thoughts are because he's had a wretched offensive season. I get that. But I think people need to look past that and look more towards the other areas that he can help the team. I agree with you, and I, I know so much is talked about with Tyrone, Tyrone Taylor and, the, and the, his utilization, but I think when you look at deep in the ball game and you have a guy, you have a guy like JBJ in the outfield, he, he, he just has that unique ability to understand the game that before that ball is hit or wherever that ball is hit, the play you have to make. He understands it. And not only that, he understands his options. What is the best route to go if the ball, who's running, how am I going to vote? When I look up, where's the guy at, that's where I'm going to make my decision. He has that instinct that I don't, you don't see in a lot of outfielders. I think he's probably one of the best outfielders I've ever seen. And I've seen some great ones. I remember Paul Blair with the Orioles was just out of this world when he played center field and make all the great plays that he made. But uh, JBJ has that special quality that along with Lorenzo Cain and Elfield, they have that anticipation of what they need to do if the ball's hit to him in certain situations and they make that play on a very consistent basis. You can't, that defensive type of situation, that type of defense you need to have is just, it's worth so much. And I think he brings that to the ball club. If it's a one-run lead in the ninth inning, and let's say you've got a defensive grouping of a Urias at third, Adamas at short, Wong at second, Telez at first, JBJ in right, Kane in center, and just for this argument, let's say Tyrone Taylor in left, because I think Tyrone Taylor's a better defensive outfitter than Christian Yelch. If that is your defensive grouping, plus Omar Narvaez or Manny Pena behind the plate, that doesn't matter. But when you're talking about those other guys, if that's your defensive grouping, nothing's going to drop that wouldn't normally drop. No. You, I, I think you've got yourself positioned right. I think the way the Brewers apply their, their positioning to certain hitters. But I tell you, when you talk about this ball club on the defensive side, Craig Council has that unique ability of putting guys in positions where you can be successful. And I think when he looks at JBJ and Tyrone Taylor and some of these other guys, Urias at third base, that's it. That's his little versatility thing that he puts in his pocket and says, you know what, when I need to go there, I can go there. I know what it's going to bring. It's our best place to go on the defense that I can do in that situation. He has that ability to do it because his team is so versatile and they can go about it and play that good, strong defense. JBJ's job is not going to be a hitter in the postseason. He is the fifth outfielder on this team, but there may still be a scenario where he comes up to the plate. Do you think in any way the regular season ending – 
and him no longer have to look up at that scoreboard and seeing a 165 batting average. We know that he's been a better hitter than that throughout his career, and we know that he's been especially a good hitter in the postseason. Is there some liberation that comes along with, okay, the regular season is over, and I never have to look at those numbers again? I once heard a comment that JBJ, someone out of Boston, said he may do nothing during the season, but when the postseason comes, look out. I think that's what's so neat about being able to be a professional baseball player and not having the great season or not doing everything you want to do and get to that postseason and to do something special. How many times have we seen players come up that you see them during the season, average players, and all of a sudden in the postseason, they're like the best player in baseball. Mm-hmm. And that happens because you can take away what happened during the season, you can put it in the past, and you can do something special. And in no better place to do something special is in the postseason because it's very recognizable and you're doing something to do something that every team wants to do and that's to get to the playoffs and win a World Series. If you want to join us, you can uh, certainly do so by calling or texting 800-990-3776, 800-990-ESPN. You can also tweet at me if you'd like, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. That's former Brewers pitcher Jerry Augustine. I'm Matt Pauley. When we come back, we take a step back from the Brewers for a moment and we look around the National League. As we alluded to earlier, there's a lot of other races going on. Everything else is up in the air. Uh, the only thing that's not up in the air at this point is the top wild card, although technically that could be uh, the Dodgers, the Giants. So really everything is up in the air in some form or fashion except the NL Central. What's that going to end up looking like in the postseason? We'll discuss that coming up in just a moment. We are live at Summerfest, the world's largest music festival, and we're back with more in a moment on 94.5 ESPN. We'll be back with more at Summerfest coming up on 94.5 ESPN. This is a Summerfest special brewer show live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone on 94.5 ESPN. To say, put the pack. Pitch swung on, hit out to center. Jackie Bradley Jr.'s got a beat on it. Going back to tag is Riley. Making the catch is Jackie. Here's the throw to third. They got him! Eduardo Escobar made the catch and applied the tag at the same time. Jackie Bradley Jr. with a cannon from center field. And they throw out Austin Riley trying to tag up and move to third. Yeah, it's plays like those why you want Jackie Bradley Jr., on the playoff roster. Not what he's going to do at the plate. I get it. He's had a bad offensive season. No guarantee that he's going to be able to uh, turn that around. Uh, but you you want him to be able to impact the game defensively. Doug texting in says, you're right, just use him for defense and uh, pinch running. He won't start uh, anyway. 800-990-3776. 800-990-ESPN if you want to join the program or you can uh, tweet at me at Matt Pauley on air. M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. I said this early, Augie. I'll be honest with you, like, until I said it, it didn't really hit me because we think about the Dodgers and the Giants having the best records in the National League and how they were the first teams to clinch a playoff spot. The Brewers' magic number to clinch a playoff spot is at two. Again, the magic number to clinch the division, which is when they'll celebrate, is sitting at four. But because teams have already clinched a playoff spot, you kind of feel like, that there's other teams that are in the same position as the Brewers, that they don't have a whole lot to play for at the moment, and, and that's not the case. In the National League West, and, and you know that the Dodgers want nothing to do with the wild card game. Because in professional sports, there is nothing more random than a single baseball game. 
any team can beat any other team on any given day in baseball. So no matter how good you are, the Dodgers are a 94-win team right now. The Dodgers could lose to the Cardinals, or the Dodgers could lose to the Padres, or the Dodgers could lose to the Phillies in a wild-card game. So believe you, the, the, it, the, the Giants and the Dodgers are going to fight it out and they are going to play games, and they are going to do everything that they can to try to win that division. Nobody's going to be sitting back and being complacent just to be a postseason club. And then you have the Braves in a situation where they are just have, a, have just a two-game lead on the Phillies in the National League East. So that is still very much a battle. And then in the wild card race, the Cardinals currently lead the wild card for that second wild card by a game, but the Reds are one game back. The Padres one and a half back. The Phillies are two and a half back. There's just there are a lot of teams that are still in this that are going to have to play hard, and every other team that's in the postseason this year is going to be in a situation where they can't hold anything back, they can't set themselves up for the postseason. All these benefits that the Brewers have, they are literally going to be the only team in the National League that have that. Yeah, I think you have to go lie with the strength of schedule. and I think if you, when you look at the schedule, the Padres, every game they play from now to the end of the season is going to be impactful. They play someone who has an opportunity to go to postseason play. If they get to the postseason, it's going to be something very special. they got a really extremely tough schedule. But when you look at the Braves and the Phillies, you know, you look at the, the loss column, it's three in, three in the loss column, you got to look at the Braves, a little bit tougher road to get to the, to get to the playoffs. Phillies, I think, only play like six or seven games, three or four games or something like that, where they play someone who has the opportunity to go to playoffs. And then you look at the division, the Dodgers and the Giants. There's a long way to go, and I'll tell you, there's a spoiler in there you might think of, and who they when they play them is the Colorado Rockies have been playing pretty good baseball. Yeah. And when you look at what those teams, both of them have to go through Colorado to do it, you look at what they have left on their schedule. I just, I've said it, I, I, I've been thinking this all year, I think it's going to, that last series against the Brewers in L.A. is going to be huge for the, for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah, and the... Uh... It's going to be tough for the Giants because the Brewer that that's a series that the Brewers will not probably be put. You know, we we talked earlier about how to use starting pitching. I think in all likelihood in that series we're going to see Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, and Freddie Peralta. But I think it's going to be more a case of those guys just getting their work in two maybe three innings, 50 pitches, and, and calling it a day just to stay sharp so they don't go a week plus. Uh, without pitching, uh, if you're the Giants, you might be sitting there just praying that the Brewers are able to put together a really good effort, and that might end up being a, a big advantage for the Dodgers. But the other side of that, too, and I don't want to see the Brewers face the Dodgers. Uh, I, I want to wait see that play out as long as possible. And I, quite honestly, I would just rather the Dodgers get into that wild card game where they maybe have to play the Cardinals because I think think the Cardinals have an outside shot of being able to beat them. The team that worries me the most in the National League is the Dodgers. And Coming up in our next segment, we'll we'll talk more about who you want to see the Brewers play, but that's something else that could play out if the Brewers have an opportunity in that final regular season weekend to secure the Dodgers into a wild card spot. How do you juggle between just just do just getting through that series and getting ready for the postseason versus maybe putting the Dodgers in a position that can help you later on in the postseason. If that all makes sense, I think Craig has a plan. I I, I think along uh, they have sat and they've worked on a, at this with the coaches on a pitching plan and what they want to do. And I think the one thing that's in the back of Craig's mind is yes, you do get some time off 
from the end of from the end of the season going forward. But I think what you want, what you need to do, what you need to do is you have to make sure that bullpen is set in a situation that you want. Who's going to be your bullpen? How are you going to use them? What is going to be the matchup? Because I think going into that last four, five, or six games, they're going to understand who they play, who they play in the playoffs. They're going to understand it. Now you've got to set that pitching staff up how you want it to work. And I think that last series against the Dodgers is going to be huge for the Dodgers. I think the Brewers can go in and do something special. I, I think they're going to get their pitchers ready. But I think they're going to set up his rotation, his bullpen, how he wants to use them, and making sure that everybody gets that opportunity to get a lot of at-bats, as many as possible. So when you break down a little bit where everybody is at going into this, this kind of final run in the National League, you mentioned how tough the Padres' schedule is going to be. They've got two more games against St. Louis. They're going to play two series against San Francisco. Obviously, those series are going to matter. They've got Atlanta. Atlanta's fighting for their playoffs lives, and they also have the Dodgers. That's as tough as, I mean, nobody has a tougher schedule than what the Padres have. Uh, Give them credit if they find a way into the postseason. But at the same time, if they don't make it to the postseason, it's hard to imagine a more disappointing season for any team than what we are seeing from the Padres right now. Especially when you saw them take off in in the pitching and what they went out even through half the season where they went out and just continually added to their bullpen, their starting rotation, to make sure they had enough pitching to get on. On the field, I, I think when you have the Tatis injury where he had to, he was out for some time and had to move to the outfield, now coming back to the infield makes But they made some really good trades and making their team stronger. I would say if there's probably a team that's going to be disappointed if they do not make the playoffs, I think the San Diego Padres are at the top of the list. Yeah, and you give the Cardinals credit. I can't tell you how many times. Uh, over the course of one week, the Cardinals had those two losses. They had the loss to the Pirates on a walk-off home run, and then the Vogelback pinch hit grand slam happens uh, one week later. They've had, and, and those those are two of the worst losses this year for St. Louis. But they've had a lot of losses like that, and every time you feel like, okay, that's it, they're done, they're gone, and then a couple days later, you look at the standings, and there they are, and you give them credit. They have found a way to play themselves back into uh, not just contention, but they are in playoff position right now. They beat the Padres yesterday. They have a ton of momentum. They're getting good pitching. Their base running, their defense is really good. They're one of the best defensive clubs in, in, in all of baseball. I think the Cardinals are a very dangerous team right now. I think they are. I think when you see the way they can go out, and they understand that it's not about you got to go out and play hard every day, but if you can put together – a streak, and I think it goes back to the, the 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 old adage of winning every series. I think that takes place from the beginning of the season to the last series of of the season. And I think that's the attitude attitude they're taking. They got a lot of tough games. They got four games that can't be any bigger for St. Louis all year than the four game series they have here against the Brewers. And again, just a, a couple of days later, back in St. Louis, it's going to be a special time. But I think they're going with the mindset that. Yes, they played the Brewers tough. We played all these teams tough. We just have to win series. We win series, we have a good chance of getting to the playoffs. How did the Brewers stack up, in our opinion, against the possible teams they could see in the postseason? We'll discuss that. We'll revisit our poll question, and we'll call it a day. We are broadcasting live from Summerfest on the final day of the Summerfest run. It's been uh, great to be out here over the course of the last uh, few weekends. We're back with more in just a moment on 94.5 ESPN. More from Summerfest is next on 94.5 ESPN. 
You're listening to a Summerfest special Brewer show, live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone on 94.5 ESPN. Pitch to Kane, swing and a high fly, deep into left field, back Dickerson, way back, it is gone. Halfway up the bleachers in left field for Lorenzo Kane, it's 3-0 Brewers. Starting to wrap up the program, a Brewers Externing special live from Summerfest. I'm Matt Pauley, former Brewers pitcher Jerry Augustine here as well. Just a few minutes left in the program before we get out of here. Uh, Brewers magic number down to four to clinch the division, down to two just to clinch a playoff spot. Augie, in all likelihood, we're just going through all the divisional wildcard races in the National League a few moments ago. Very high percentage chance that the Brewers are going to end up playing the NL East winner in the first round of the playoffs. And to me, it feels like the Atlanta Braves are a team that are built for the regular season. And the Philadelphia Phillies are a team that's built for the postseason. The Phillies scare me more than the Braves. I think the Braves may be a better overall team, but the Phillies scare me more. The other thing, we talk about this a lot with um, when you get into the postseason, the, the, the level of pitching goes up. So you need elite hitters. And sometimes guys who had nice regular seasons, they have nice regular seasons because they're able to take advantage of mistakes. You don't get as many mistake pitches in the postseason. So that's one of the reasons. The Phillies scare me because you, uh, every two, three innings, you're going to see Bryce Harper. The Cardinals scare me because every two, three innings, you're going to see Nolan Arnato. You're going to see Paul Goldschmidt. Teams like that scare me because of those elite hitters. So quite honestly, I think I would rather see the Brewers play the Atlanta Braves in the first round of the playoffs than the Philadelphia Phillies. I, I think on the Phillies side of it, if I give an edge to the Phillies being a, a little bit tougher team on the Brewers as they're pitching, I think their starting pitching is a little bit better. I think they're just a, a tad better in the bullpen. And like you said, you get Bryce Harper coming up, coming up, coming up every every couple of innings. That's, that always always adds, along with some veteran hitters that know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the Braves are are have a good ball club. I think their starting pitching is not as good, and I think their bullpen is is where you think about a postseason play over a number of games and winning a series, I think your bullpen comes into play, especially in the postseason. I think where the edge is, I think the Phillies would be a little bit tougher on the Brewers than the Atlanta Braves. Don't get me wrong, I think the Atlanta Braves are a good ball club. I think they've done a masterful job of reconstructing that outfield. And But I, I still think when you look at this on the ball club, on the offensive side, I give the edge to the Braves, but on the pitching side, I say the Phillies would be tough to handle. You don't get to choose your pathway through the playoffs, but if the if the regular season ends the way things sit right now in terms of the standings, I feel like the best possible scenario for the Brewers would be to play the Braves in the first round and then to play the Giants in the NLCS. You avoid the Dodgers and you avoid the Cardinals. Like those, the, the teams to avoid for me are, are, are those two teams. And the, the Cardinals, just because they're the Cardinals and they, they do things like this in the postseason. I mentioned Arnado and Goldschmidt, and we know how good the Dodgers are. The Dodgers have been the betting favorite to win the World Series since the day they won the World Series last year, and that has never changed. Even with them being a second place in the division, they are still the odds-on favorites to not just win the National League, but to win the World Series. Not that the Brewers can't beat them. We know with the Brewers pitching. The Brewers can beat any team in baseball with their pitching. The Brewers have a legitimate chance to win the World Series. But when you're talking about 
what the best path is for the highest percentage chance to win, I, I am hopeful to see the Brewers play the Braves and the Giants on the National League side of things. I, I like the matchup against the Braves. I think the, when you look at the matchup against the Braves, I think the, the Brewers do an outstanding job in all phases of the game to match up against the Braves. I think they are a better team than we faced just a couple months ago. They're a better offensive ball club, and their pitching is a little bit better. But I, I, I like the matchup. I think we match up extremely well against the Giants, and we've proved that the way we've played them so far this year. I think pitching is all everything you look at in any series. And when you look at pitching in the National League, and that's in the National League only, you look at three teams. You look at the Los Angeles Dodgers, you look at the Milwaukee Brewers, and you look at the San Francisco Giants. On both sides, whether it's starting rotation or bullpen, they're all very strong. They're all one, two, three. As in when you look at their ERAs and what they've been able to accomplish. So I, I really believe that you match up right now offensively better against the Giants than the Dodgers. But uh, I don't make predictions. I just enjoy the, the day, and uh, I think whomever we play is going to be a lot of fun. The Giants, like the Braves, I think are built for the regular season. I agree. Um, yeah, none of their, like, uh, this is not being disrespectful to Kevin Gossman and Logan Webb. None of their starters scare me. Buster Posey scares me because he's Buster Posey. That's right. Just, that's just because he's Buster Posey. Brandon Belt destroyed the Brewers this year. He single-handedly destroyed the Brewers. So that's the guy to maybe be worried about uh, just based off what he did. But, yeah, this is, not a, uh, this is not a group. They have Chris Bryant now, and obviously we know what he can do. But this is not a group that's uh, that's overly worrisome, I don't think. so. Uh, that's going to do it. Augie, this was fun. Thank you oh, for being out awesome here. Awesome time. Awesome time. Great to be at Summerfest. And, uh it's nice to have a show in the afternoon. Yeah, afternoon show out here at Summerfest. The best. Uh, this has been a blast. Again, uh, things are wrapping up today. If you have not made it out yet, get on out here. Guns N' Roses is going to be on stage at the American Family Insurance uh, Amphitheater. Uh, thanks to uh, DJ back at our station for uh, taking care of us to, uh, today. That's just about going to wrap up the program. Uh, Brewers baseball tonight over on Sister Station, WTMJ. We'll talk to you uh, after the game for uh, Brewers extra innings as well. Thanks so much for being tuned in on 94.5 ESPN.